You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hit Play, Not Pause is proud to be sponsored by Noon Hydration in 2021. I have been a huge fan of Noon for well over a decade. They have products for immunity, recovery, getting a good night's rest, and I absolutely swear by their Podium series, which include branched-chain amino acids that are super important for women during and after menopause. So show your support and head over to noonlife.com. That's noon, N-U-U-N, life, one word. And use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, again, one word, with a capital F and a capital M, for 30%, yes, 30% off of all of Noon's amazing products. Again, noonlife.com, use the code FEISTYMENOPAUSE, with a capital F and a capital M, and get 30% off of anything you want. Check it out. Hello, strong, feisty women. So this week, we're talking mental strength, and specifically how physical strength can boost mental strength, and the other way around. It's something I think about a lot. When you are racing 200 miles across Kansas, or at mile 19 of a marathon, or day four of a seven-day mountain bike stage race, Or honestly, some days, just trying to get yourself to pick up a kettlebell instead of a bottle of wine at the end of a long, hard day? The difference maker, the thing that gets you to do the thing and get to the finish, is mental strength. But the opposite is true, too. When life is kicking your ass, being physically strong matters. Taking everything that is weighing you down and pretending that it's all packed into those weight plates or that kettlebell and hefting it and swinging it and pushing it over your head and showing it who's boss is really cathartic. And physical strength helps you put one foot in front of the other, both literally and figuratively. So I could have talked to this week's guest, Lisbeth Darsh, author of Strong Starts in the Mind, all day long and into the night. Lisbeth has worn a lot of different hats on her journey in this life, including several years as an executive at CrossFit Inc., where she helped explode CrossFit from a tiny workout regimen with thousands of devotees in 2008 to a worldwide global phenomenon with millions of fans around the globe just several years later. Lisbeth has also been a journalist, an English professor, and an aircraft maintenance officer on fighter jets in the U.S. Air Force. Currently, she is a big proponent of street parking, which is a workout system founded by former elite CrossFit athletes as a way to make the fundamentals of CrossFit more accessible to everyday people in their own homes. All of these roads have taken Lisbeth to the same conclusion. Mental strength will get you where you want to go. And it's really important when menopause knocks you back on your heels. Because as she explains in our conversation, sometimes mental strength means knowing when to step back and find another way over that wall instead of just trying to plow yourself into it again and again the way you always have. 
I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Before we get to the show, this is my friendly, persistent reminder to share, like, and rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really, really makes a difference in our ability to continue to make this content. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button or rated the show on your podcast app yet, please do. And if you haven't shared it with a friend yet, please do that too. And if you have, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, enough of me. On with the show. So we are, like I said, going to talk about mental strength. That's not something that, you know, we've talked about specifically on this podcast before. And it seems to be sort of what you're all about. Like like all the cornerstones of like your writing and your book, Strong Starts in the Mind, focuses a lot on mental strength. The podcast I've heard you talk on the past, you hone in on that. How did that become your thing? It seems like from the start, like from the very start. I can remember being eight years old, 10 years old, and I really wanted to be a power forward. I was five, four now on a good day. That's basketball? Yes, in basketball, <laughs> right. I exactly. don't know all my ball sports, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, in basketball. Okay. And I really wanted to be, you know. But you could, right? Or is that, was Allen Iverson one of those? Uh, no, Allen okay. Iverson was a, was a guard. So That's it, okay, yeah. go ahead. So I was small, but I wanted to be down under the boards, boxing people out, banging under the boards, just, you know, in the thick of it. But mm -hmm. I was small. And I remember I put a quote from Paul Silas, who had played for the Boston Celtics, and they weren't my team, the New York Knicks were. But there was a quote, he said, 80% of rebounding is desire. You simply have to want the ball more than anyone else. And I thought, hmm. hey, I'm short, but I can want that ball more than anybody else. And that was just kind of my mindset that continued. And I like that. And I, I, I'm the youngest of five. I have four older sisters. And holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one very patient. You really dad. got to want that ball. <laughs> yeah. so, it's like a basketball team. Right? It was, we were very competitive. Um, and you just have to, I, I was the kid who, no matter what, you hit me, I'm coming back. You hit me twice, I'm coming back three times. You know, you cannot keep me down. And then this continued and I realized that it was great to have that attitude, but that I needed the discipline to accompany that attitude to get things done. Okay. So that, what do you mean by that? So we all have strength, but sometimes we have to have the strength not to use that strength. And that's really hard. It's a really difficult concept to think in this moment, I need to not go all out, mm. right? Because sometimes you need to rest and sometimes you need to recover. But if you're just always going 60 miles an hour, something's wrong. <laughs> you really need to check yourself. You need to check yourself mentally. You need to check yourself physically. And you have to know what's advantageous. And it doesn't mean that you always have to let up. Sometimes it means you go more, you go less. Um, one of the things, I, I love that you're a, a, a cyclist because one of the things that I loved about cycling for a while, in my early 40s, I, I raced my mountain bike in California uh, as an amateur. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I had a great time. But one of the things I love to do is pedal on the downhill because people forget, right? They think, oh, well, I can coast now. 
Well, actually, for such a very little expenditure of energy, you can get such incredible returns. Plus, you're more in tune with the bike. You're more in tune with yourself. You're constantly moving together. So, you know, pedal on the downhill and continue. So you have to find that 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 flow. But I went in the military after Vassar. I went to Vassar College and then I went into in the military. No one does this combination. I was going to say those seem very on the spectrum of things. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's insane, but I did it. And And it was fantastic because I learned that discipline to not go when everything said go, but it was smarter to wait or smarter to recover. It was smarter to look at the strategy of what I could do next and how I could do it. So along the way, mental strength just became more and more important to me. And then I owned one of the early CrossFit gyms. So like the 250th CrossFit gym, CrossFit Watertown was mine. And shortly after that, CrossFit Incorporated found me and hired me. But I remember standing there one time and we had this early member and her name was Mary. We called her Iron Mary. She was my first client that I had ever in my garage before I even started a CrossFit affiliate. I decided three times not to open a CrossFit affiliate. And then one day I felt compelled and I did. And Mary, Mary was 55. And Mary, though, you couldn't beat her. Like in mental strength, you, I watched young guys come in, everybody go so hard and then they'd be on the floor and Mary would just keep (laughs) ticking along because you weren't beating Mm -hmm. Mary. And I learned from watching her. And then I I remember one time I had this member and in the middle of a workout and she was young and strong and she just broke, just broke in the middle of the workout. And I had to put my arm around her and console her and try to get her to continue. She just couldn't mentally handle the workout. And, and the pain that she thought was coming. And that's what we learned, right? That the anticipation of the pain is always far worse than the pain itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were scared of, of feeling that. But I also realized through cycling, triathlons, mountain biking, CrossFit, everything I threw myself into, that the pain would end. No matter what it was, it ended. And that if I could just stay in the pain longer than the next person. I could often beat them. But what I learned about myself staying in the pain were lessons that no one could have ever ever taught me, that I could hold on one more second always than I thought I could. Mm -hmm. And then to be smart enough to say, okay, now you're really going to hurt yourself. You better stop. (laughs) Yeah. But you 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 cross that line a couple of times before you learn that lesson, right? Right, many times. Yeah, you know, and, and stupid sometimes. Uh, but we learn in those moments too. I used to be the person that even if my hands were bleeding, and I would continue, no matter what, I would continue. And then I've gotten to the point now in my life where you know, if I smash that finger really hard, and I think maybe it's broken, maybe it's not. I used to just continue the workout, and now I'm like. We're just going to leave everything in the garage as it is. We're not going to move a thing. <laughs> we're not even going to clean up anything. And we're going to come back tomorrow when we feel better. But that's right. hard. I mean, I even broke my finger last two months ago in the garage. Stupid dumbbell accident. Just, oh. you know, did it. But so I bought myself a sled. And, you know, you don't need to have fingers to pull that sled. <laughs> there's always something the audience can't see but i set this one myself i broke oh. this pinky <laughs> I, 
like I was in the shape of my like going into the one of the best seasons of my life and I broke it in a dumb bike path accident and I'm like uh 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 and I buddy taped it to the other finger and I just raced through the season. <laughs> I can still type, I can still get change out of my pocket, we're good. But <laughs> right, the things we do to continue, yeah. you know, and, and with the mindset. So I, I can remember one time I was uh riding my bike, my mountain bike in the desert with uh, a couple of riding partners. And it was like 105 degrees that day. And we had gone in the morning, but we should have gone even earlier. It was like nine o'clock. We should have gone at seven. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So we were riding and I was trying to catch up with the next rider who I was worried about. She was the middle rider. We had placed her in the middle because we were worried about her heat sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And I was racing to catch up with her and I went through some sand. And as I was powering through the sand, I thought, oh, no, I should ease off. And then it was too late. And I felt the bone over bone, the champagne cork, and I went down. And when I came Ooh. to in the, in the sand, my first thought was, what if there are red ants? You need to get your face out of the sand. <laughs> and my second thought was, when's my next event? Do I have time for rehab? <laughs> It's amazing, right? Right. That's how we think, though, in these moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and I thought, oh, it's a triathlon in six weeks. And no, no time, not enough time for rehab. This will, I'll be missing that, you know. And, and sure enough, I torn my ACL and rode my way out. You know, my partners came back, found me. I said, it's really messed up. I can ride my, myself home. Got home, realized that I had stopped sweating and that I was probably going into some kind of heat emergency. So yelled to my kid to pour a pour a, a bath for me, a tepid bath, sat myself in there, drank some Gatorade, came out of it, realized I probably, it was a Saturday morning, I had a, a torn ACL and that there was no point going to the emergency room at that point. I lived on a military base 40 minutes from the, the closest emergency room. And I thought, well, I told my kid, go get your hockey stick, get a t-shirt, some duct tape, turn that thing upside down, make me a crutch. And I crutched my way through the weekend. And then Monday went to see the doctor and said, I have a torn ACL. <laughs> you know, life continued on. And two days after I, after that surgery, I crutched my way over to the trainer, my bike in the, in the living room and got on there and started the road back. But, you know, we all have those stories, right? Where we continue oh, yeah. on when we think maybe this wasn't the smartest thing, but there's some inner drive in us that pushes us even in those dark, dark moments to just continue. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. And I, th I think, I think what's really interesting here that women run into, even with like people, like we're talking about, you have that mindset and you do these, these insane things, but then a lot of, and I, my, I'll put myself in that bucket. Women will hit that point where their hormones start doing this thing and their body doesn't feel like their own and they feel out of control. And I, like I told you, it almost feels like you're trying to climb that Crisco covered wall in one of those silly adventure races. Like you're like, Oh my God, I got to try harder. Cause like, you know, my body composition is changing and I'm, and I'm not, things aren't working well. And the harder you try to get up that wall, the harder you slide down back down the wall. And I, that same mindset doesn't necessarily yield the same result. So I think circling back to what you were talking about before about knowing when not to use your strength and maybe pausing, you know, is an important point when you hit that skid, when you hit that point where you're like, what is going on? And you just keep digging yourself in because you're trying to like get back to where you were. Right. 
No, and, and, and that's a great analogy, the Crisco wall. So to, to build on that, so I did, I did one of the early Tough Mudders. It's like 2010. Yeah, this was a high-tech adventure challenge or something so, that I did. with. I'm out there yeah. on one of those early Tough Mudders. But, so picture yourself on that, on that course. And you've got a variety of different obstacles to use. But sometimes, some of the ones that are hardest, other people help you up. They get to the top and they throw a hand over. Somebody gives you a boost from, the, from beneath and you get a, far enough that you can grab the next hand. And that's kind of a great metaphor for what we have to remember in, in menopause. You know, I, I'm wearing a, a hoodie right now. You can't see it, but it says strength conditioning community. It's one of my favorite hoodies because those are so key. And we come to think of, well, community, we don't have community right now because look, you know, we're, we're all stuck in our houses, but, but we do. There are, there's great community that we can mm -hmm. tap into mm -hmm. right now on the internet and, and in, other, in other ways. So you, sometimes you have to look for that help, for that hand, and you have to realize, okay, right now I can't do this, but somebody else can help me do a little something. So one of the things that, that and I'll, you'll probably have to stop me from talking about street parking, but it's one of the things that I love <laughs> okay. about street parking, the strength and conditioning uh, regimen that I follow right now is that it's a community online mm -hmm. But you can do the workouts in your garage with a pair of dumbbells in your living room with a pair of dumbbells. And it's not, it doesn't feel fake or unreal or that you're, or that you're not doing enough. Their motto, one of their mottos is that something is better than nothing. So on every day, even when you know, we all have health challenges and I've had a few lately since moving to Seattle, but on every day, no matter what, I walk two miles. And if I can't walk two miles, then I'm going to walk two blocks. Right. You know, there's always something you can do. Something is better than nothing. And sometimes all it takes is that, just that starting to get going. Maybe it's just a little bit today. Maybe tomorrow it's a whole bunch. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little bit again tomorrow. But it's that constant iteration and that little by little that you'll get there. But community's huge, particularly at our age. It, you know, it's bigger than than ever, particularly in this in this time. I 100 percent agree. And and as you know, at, menopause off, often intersects at midlife when things are just like this. The consequences of everything feels higher sometimes, like your kids might be going to college and your parents are getting older. And, you know, it's just like a lot of weight, literally like sitting on you, you know, so having people to share that weight with is enormously important right it's it, it can be crushing if you stop and think too much about it but yeah, yeah. i but try not to <laughs> at the same time like like we're women what have we been settled with the world and yet we get <laughs> up every day and we come to our lives and we support <laughs> other people it's crazy it's crazy i mean if you ever describe the concept of childbirth to an alien they'd be like that's no no just no but we do it. I remember after having my first baby, I, my, my sister called and she said, you know, it, the pain will fade. I said, oh, the pain will never fade. I can't even imagine that people have more than one child. That's crazy. And sure enough, though, that pain fades a little bit. And yeah, it, my sister said, you're never going to feel dumber than when you are in labor for it with your second child. And sure enough, I was in labor with my second child. And I was like, I knew this was coming and I did it again. <laughs> I am the dumbest person in the world. 
<laughs> yeah. It's, you know, but it's, it's like every CrossFit workout I ever did. You know, I'd be like, getting ready, getting ready. And then all of a sudden, three, two, one, go. And in that first 10 seconds, I'm like, I'm the dumbest person ever. I did it again. Why would I do it again? But yet you find your, your handhold and you continue and you continue. And, you know, you're just when you're about, that's one of the wonderful things about CrossFit is that, although I don't specifically do CrossFit anymore, one of the wonderful things in that group, in any group community workout where helping each other is important to continue and, and to complete the workout is that all it takes is one person to say like, I gotcha, keep going. Yep. And, yep. and that's it. You're ready to go then and to, and to continue. That's amazing. Talk, talk just, I, I want to really zone in just a little bit on that before we move on, because I think that that is the hardest mental sticking point for a lot of people. I know like when I, every morning I wake up on race day, I am in a sea of misery, like a sea of misery <laughs> because I know what's coming. Right. Like I know. And I'm just like, Oh my God, get to get to the start line. And then I occupy my mind to not think about my sea of misery. And I do my race day routines and all the things that you do to sort of channel the butterflies and you get your head in the right space. But 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 I when I when I started CrossFit I did it for a year just to see what it was all about that came back to me in spades same thing like the clock's ticking I'm like oh my god here we are again it's gonna hurt so much and um like what mentally like what are some ways to sort of tone that down just a little bit because some people some people get lost in that to the point that they turn away from sport and I've seen it happen um, you know that it's just that it, it's the nerves become so overwhelming and the fear of that going to those places and the suffering, like, I like, you know, it, it doesn't, it's always better once it starts. Like, like you're saying, I, like, I'm always just like, it's worse in your head than it is in reality, almost always, right? right? But do you have other mental tricks for people like to sort of get them through that? Right. So it depends on everything's so individual, which is the hard thing, right? Nutrition's individual, mindset's individual, workouts are individual. But so it depends on whether people like to tap into that or tap away from it. So it's kind of like when people say, oh, go to your happy place. No, there is no happy place. There's pain and you will survive. So you will learn something in the pain too. So look forward to that lesson. But again, we use those distractions. Some people need to be distracted. So it's like that buildup, you know, I'm going to listen to my music. I'm not going to pay attention. I'm totally zoned into me. And one of the things that I think is so key, no matter whether you're doing a triathlon, whether you're doing a CrossFit workout, whatever you're doing, is that if you can feel the negative energy of someone else, you need to move away from their space. That's a great, yeah. you know, you just need to get to, if they're just too amped up, they're too scared, whatever it is, you know, have compassion for them and move away from them. Well, that's their process, right? Like I used to play field hockey with this woman who she got amped up by like shaking all of us and like chest pumping. I'm like, I'm going to punch you right in the face because <laughs> I go internally. Like, I don't want that. Like, I, you know, I'm just like, right. you're not helping me. You're taking me out of my process. Yeah. So what works for you? Stick with what works for you. Yeah. And then once the workout gets started or whatever gets started, there are other little tricks you can do. One of the things that I like to do to just keep my mind going and to, to change things for a moment is it count in a different language 
Right. Oh, in a different language. Yeah. I just count in my language. That's all I can I, do. Like, I just go and count the fives or twos. Right. Just that mental activity of counting in a Nine different five. language. Right. right? So, you know, each Nissan, she go, Roku, Nana, Haji, Kyuju, one to 10 in Japanese, so that you can just continue. It keeps your mind from spinning further. Another trick that I taught myself um, if, you have, if you're on the rower, and you have to do a long row, which can just be mind-numbingly difficult, is with each stroke, I would use the ABC game, but I would name and pick a topic. So A, Atlanta Braves, B, Boston Celtics, C, Chicago Cubs. So every row stroke becomes a different letter, and then you can change the categories. Okay, uh, medical conditions, arrhythmia, botulism. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh you can God. change it to whatever yeah. you want, but it keeps, and sometimes you just have to say pass. And you go on to the next ladder. You do it doing planks also. We would do planks at one of my workplaces. And, you know, we'd be in a minute plank. And I'd be like, okay, let's name, you know, mindfulness terms. Okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. But it just keeps you working on a different, mentally on a different level. And it helps. I, I had a friend, you'll appreciate this. She did um, a, a, 50, a 50K, I think it was an ultra run. And she did it the first time. And she, she did pretty well, but she did it again because her goal was not to be as bored. Oh. And I, yeah, so she had like all these math problems that she said she 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 got for herself before she even started nice. that she was going to figure out while she, I was like, you are out of your mind. But it was just like such an interesting right? journey. Like I would have never it's been like, fun. you finished. <laughs> I, I once did um, a spelling uh, B while doing Tabata squats, Tabata squats, as we say in America, but Tabata squats, I always say the Japanese way, Tabata. It, so you're doing max rep squats in 20 seconds. And in the 10 second rest, we did a spelling yeah. contest. So they'd give me a word to spell. And oh as you word. become more oxygen deprived, <laughs> it gets harder and harder to spell and to use that in that rest time. But you, it's fun. It's kind of twisted. There's a video out there somewhere and someone's camera is still. Open. No, I mean, there's definitely mentally, there's something definitely to that because mountain bike racing, if I would crash when I got up, you know, you, you crash and you get up and you're just jacked with adrenaline and you, and that you're so likely to crash again, unless you bring your head back into the space, I would just get out and start counting by five. So I would just be like, okay, five, 10, 15, 20. And just, sort of, it would just sort of bring me back to some other place in my head. Yeah. But yeah, it's fascinating what we'll do with our minds when we're physically taxed. Right, that's so interesting. Um, speaking of, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the the intersection of muscle and mind because you talk about that in your book, and um, I also we are going to circle back to street parking that you alluded to, and I want the audience to know that we're going to get to this because it is cool, and I think everybody could use it. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about how strength of muscle translates to strength of mind and vice versa. It's fascinating that we have grown up in a society that sometimes wants to separate mind and body, right? Yeah. Like that's nuts. Very often done. Very, very it's often. It's nuts. But, we, mm -hmm. but that's what happens. And yet it's so connected. So saying, I, I like to say strength starts in the mind. And I also realize at the same time, it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. So where does it really start? But I do think that it starts in the mind. We're starting to see more research come out that actually it does start in the mind. There was a study that came out about three or four months ago. Uh, I remember reading an article in the New York Times. 
speaking about how they can trace that back now. But strength does, if we start moving, we can get grow stronger. And as we keep moving, we can grow stronger. But we have to have that impetus to get there first and to start moving. But I think that one of the things that I like to talk about in this aspect is when we are very sad, sometimes we feel like we can't move because we're just paralyzed. There's a great quote, and I can't remember the author of it right now, but she says, take your sorrow outdoors and watch it change. And it's amazing in times of strife, deaths, breakups, divorces, all these things, job losses, that if you go for a walk in the woods, if you're lucky enough, in the woods, near the beach, if you're lucky enough, but even on a city street, you feel better. You know, the mm-hmm. Japanese have a term for, I um, uh, can't remember right now, for forest bathing. But basically, yes. right, you go mm-hmm. into the forest and you feel better. So as long as you can start moving, something's going to start changing in your mind. And when, when and how that happens for you is very individual. But we know that it happens for almost everybody. Rarely is there someone who says, oh, the day got better because... I I laid in bed and I thought about all my problems. (laughs) Not how it happens. When when I owned a CrossFit affiliate, I used to tell my members that if they ever left the gym after a workout and felt worse than when they came in, they needed to find me because we did something wrong. Hmm. And but we also, I think, sometimes can get caught up in the idea that athletic performance is only about athletic performance. And it's not, it's about so much more. So that I used to also tell my members that if I only made them better athletes, I had failed. My goal was not to make them better athletes. My goal was to make them better people, but I couldn't continue that part. I could only give them the workout, the mindset, help them through to feel better at the end of a horrible hour, they would feel great. And then that would bleed into the rest of their lives. So, but I, I have a friend who says, if you do not lift heavy, your life will not get better. And I love that quote because we have to lift heavy in so many aspects of our lives, not just weights. We have to lift heavy emotions. We have to lift people in our lives sometimes. Sometimes physically we have to lift people. But if you do not lift heavy, your life will not get better. So lift heavy. It's so interesting because Uh, And I'll say I'll go right into the endurance space, because as you know, and I'm sure many people listening right now are in the same boat, like as an endurance athlete, we were discouraged from lifting heavy for decades, honestly, you know, I I sat in countless coaching, countless coaching seminars, where coaches who, who coached Olympians would be like, do not lift. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the mo like you did not and lifting heavy forget about it and so it was a real it was a real seismic shift for me to to go in and be like i'm going to lift heavy because that was something that those athletes did like that was not what my my kind of athlete did and then i started i was like oh my god where has this been like my whole life (laughs) because you know i just felt like i felt amazing i felt like deadlifting heavy just makes me it's magical what it does right. metabolic like i feel like ooh, like all the lights are up and i'm i'm charged and i'm ready to go and, and so i feel like 
so now I'm just preaching it everywhere because I'm like, I did such a disservice parodying all those things that people told me that we shouldn't do. And then I was telling them, don't do it. Like, Argh. so, um, so yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about that. Like lifting heavy helps endurance, right? Like it's, it's everybody exists to some extent to throw shade on somebody else. Right. <laughs> this is what happens. It, it seems that way. Right? <laughs> This is, this is what it seems like at times. So that endurance athletes throw shade on, on strength athletes. They throw mm -hmm. it right back. You know, you, you leave the athletic community and the intellectual community throws shade over on that. Oh, why do you want to work out? That's just, you know, don't, you know, people do that who, who aren't very smart. No, actually, I'm really smart and I like to work out. And I'm going to tell you that. And that's okay. You know, so you know, yoga looks down on, on CrossFitters. CrossFitters look down on everybody. You know what I mean? Whatever. We're very tribal as people right. is the thing. Exactly. Yeah. But just because your tribe likes this doesn't mean that, that the other thing is wrong or that it can't contribute. So right. I've always looked at, um, for example, I think yoga is a great antidote to weightlifting. Because in weightlifting, you're all like, whoa. And in yoga, you're like, oh, you know, I got to kind of go the other way. Yeah. And I think that, that everything can, to a certain extent, complement the other. So strength training can complement endurance. Endurance can complement strength training. And yet we have to realize the limits of that. We have to realize when it becomes detrimental to what our perceived uh, preference is. Right, right. And so that's, again, the thing where you got to learn to pull back. But if you train, you know, strength, you're, you're going to be better at so many activities and so much of life. That deadlift is so fundamental to everything that we do. And yet it's amazingly powerful. Just the act of standing up, you know, it, it, it's with that bar in your hands, with that much weight on it. When I was, uh, I was the year I was turning 50, I set three goals for myself. I wanted a 100-pound uh, overhead press. I wanted a 200-pound back squat. And I wanted a 300-pound deadlift. And I was close on all of them. Yeah. I, I got the 100-pound press. I got the 200-pound back squat. And I got to 295 on the deadlift. Never got, got wow. past that. Then <laughs> oh. hit some in injuries. And, and not sure yeah. I'll ever get there, but close enough. But I think that what we need to do is kind of set those goals for ourselves and figure out what components work to make those goals happen and what we're willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to get slower a little bit on the bike in order to have a better deadlift? Are you willing to uh, get, uh, you know, uh, lose some of that deadlift to get faster on the bike, right? We can't have right, everything. Right. Oh, for time. sure. And I, my, I prioritize bike. Like, yeah. you know, I, I deadlift to the point where I feel like it's putting more power in my pedals. There you go. But I don't, yeah, but I don't, I'm not deadlifting for the sake of deadlifting. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that? Yeah, that's. And that's so smart. Right. And that's exactly what everybody has to find for themselves. And that's the hard right. part because I wish I could give some formula out to everybody. I know everybody asks me, they want it. Everybody wants that formula. And I'm like, if I, if I had that magic wand, I wouldn't be, we would, I'd be a millionaire, right? We'd all right. be a millionaire because it's right. so individual. Right. And, and, and along with that magic wand, we'll also give you the magic uh, nutrition plan. <laughs> oh yeah. Another one. It's just like, it, the, it does take. Right. And the magic answer to, to uh, hot flashes. 
the magic answer to, <laughs> you know, everything menopause. And there is no magic answer. The, the frustrating part, and I'll say this about the, the menopause part, the frustrating part is that we seem to have little to no research <laughs> as to what to do. Whereas we've been researching some on nutrition, researching some on, on movement, more so I say some because it seems most of the research has been done on men and not women, mm -hmm. and, and we are not small men, you know, despite what the world would like us to, to classify us as. But it's just menopause, I, we need so much more information. We need so oh, yeah. much more well, research. Especially so much. Generally speaking, and you know, that's why we started the show because like athletically it's a desert out there when you want to look at like, you know, I mean, it's just very, right. Very little bit of information. And that's why, you know, Stacy Sims, who I work pretty closely with, who did Roar and um, some other books on women's physiology is stepping into this space with her own research because otherwise like it doesn't get done. Like right. there's nobody. It's just, this, it's this desert. So, you know, when we reach the age of 40, women reach the age of 40, you know, people say, oh, you become invisible. You know, people just don't see you anymore. Well, guess what the state of literature on menopause is? It's invisible too, because people haven't written this. They haven't talked about this. I was speaking with my college roommate the other day, and she said, you know, I was woefully unprepared for menopause. And that's exactly how I felt, woefully unprepared. I'm a smart, capable, accomplished person, woefully Ditto. unprepared. Ditto. And, and I thought I maybe I missed it. Right? Oh, I I'm thought like, I skated it. through. I thought, oh. I did pretty well. A couple of hot flashes. I'm good. Yeah, to go. I did. same thing. Mm, right. No. <laughs> and then a few months ago, uh, I September, I ended up having diverticulitis, and so then I had to recover from that. And as I recovered, of course, I went. You know, two weeks later, I went back to you know doing a workout with some light deadlifts. It was a kettlebell deadlift. I thought everything's fine. Light workouts. I set myself back a little bit. My doctor said, "Please just stop lifting for you know two months. Just you know." You walk, bike, you know, do anything aerobically as, as much as you'd like to, but just please give yourself a chance to heal. Well, I did that. But the trouble was, guess what was keeping that menopause, those menopause symptoms at bay? And boom, I was hit by the, by the adrenaline rushes at night, the hot flashes, the night sweats, you know, all of this came crashing down and I had to build myself back up from it. And during that time, I was searching for how do I find what, you know, I, what can I do about this? And that's when I came across your, your podcast, because someone posted in a comment of, uh, of the uh, uh, EC Sinkowski runs this great program called uh, Optimize Me Nutrition. And I was reading the comments on an Instagram post she had made, and somebody mentioned this podcast and said, go here. It's about performance in women and menopause. And I was like, Oh, because I would always like to know what can I do? I don't want to know what you're, you can prescribe me. I don't want to know what, uh, you know, what I can buy. I want to know what I can do. How can I take my energy and make my life better? And so that's why I think that, that this podcast, I was fascinating to start listening to because it was about what can you do and how can you have a performance minded, a performance mindset? And yet deal with this major life change, these symptoms that come out of nowhere sometimes. And how do we unta untangle that and, and figure out that mystery for ourselves? 
Mm-hmm. Because it's it's a it's so individual for everybody. Right. Um, what did what did did you get through that um, two week period like that period where you couldn't lift and you're so I didn't like, lift for for two months and uh, and just hmm. you know rode my bike and and walked every day and uh, things just kept getting worse and worse and you know I asked a couple of male doctors I had you know could this be hormones oh no you need an MRI and you need a CT and you know all of that and and then I finally. Uh, had a female doctor. And I said, could this be hormones? And I explained to her everything. And she said, yes. And she said, it's likely that menopause has come back stronger on you. And then she said this, and I think this was really important. She said, we get this idea that that menopause has a start and a finish. And it's like an open door and a closed door. She said, it's not, it's really an undulating wave. And it will come up at times and it will recede at times. And that wave, nobody knows how long it is for each person. So she was like, you have to deal with it and, and you're in the wave right now. And that was a tremendous gift. And I thought, okay, so how do I deal with this wave? And she prescribed something and I didn't want to take it. She prescribed gabapentin and it crosses the blood brain barrier. And I, I hear that it works, but reading about the side effects, I was not interested in going that route. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to give it a couple of days and I'm going to go back to working out in my garage and I'm going to see whether I can get back to where I was. And it started mm-hmm. to work. And then I also happen to live in Washington state. So weed stores are, are legal here. <laughs> yep. you now, so CBD yep. uh, turned out to be a great uh, component also for me. And life continued on. It's still kind of a, you know, a bit of a up and down, but it's manageable. That's good. That's good. And and that is a really good point because we do think, because menopause is technically defined as a point in time, like when your period has stopped for 12 months, right? Like that's right. a very arbitrary d- definition, but that does not explain why women can have hot flashes into their sixties. Right. Right. Like it doesn't, that doesn't address that, right. you know, that you are in and, and, and the doctor, Dr. Stryker, who I just talked to about sex for last week, she's like, you know, she has people coming in. She's like, well, menopause is over. And she's like, oh, honey, it's not ever, like you, you're in it for the rest of, you know, are you dead? She's like, if you're not dead, you're still in it, you know? And it's just like, it's such an interesting, it's like true. Right. It's, it's, it's not just going to start and stop. And, you know, when we ask, well, when will it end for me or, or what will happen next? You know, it's always kind of shoulder shrug from medical community. It seems like, oh, well, who knows? Could happen. <laughs> right. And meanwhile, we have all these hours of interrupted sleep, you know, you, which you, is which, huge. It's huge. It's so impactful. Right? It's unbelievable. And yet yeah. if somebody has uh, sleep apnea, we, we prescribe all sorts of things. We study it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. All the things we do, but for women, oh, well, disrupted sleep. That's just what happens. Well, no, let's kind of figure this out. Especially when people, like, they have all these sleep apps and sleep trackers and all this stuff, like, because the recognizing that it is so important. But like you're saying, when you're like, well, I wake up at three o'clock and the, I feel like the world's going to end and I can't, you know, get back right. to sleep. Like, and they're like, oh, that, that's just menopause. Okay. Yeah. You know, and just like, well, it's not actually okay. It's, you know. It's, yeah. So yeah. maybe we'd like to have a full night of sleep. Um, and, and who knows, but I, I do acupuncture right now and uh, which seems to I, also, I like acupuncture. I like acupuncture. It's, I'm new to it and I'm just amazed at, at how helpful it can be. And my acupuncturist likes to say, she's like, you know, 
12 to 3, you're waking up because of, of your your liver. I don't know if any of this is true, but she says it's your liver and it's your body heat that's that's causing this. And she's like, 4 to 6, it's stress. I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what she likes to say. And, you know, it's that heat, though. You wake up and you're like, okay, now I'm hot. Now I have to. Yeah. And anything can affect us, too, right? Like the barometer drops. And you're like, oh, you know, you <laughs> migraines, you know? So we just have to kind of figure out what works for us and, and try it and, and talk about it. I think part of the problem is that people don't talk about it. So we don't know what works for other people. 100%. You That's know? why so, we're here. That's yeah. why we're talking. You know, and, and I, and I, you know, I've worked in health and feel, health and fitness for an awful long time. And people would be like, well, you just wrote something completely different last week. And now you're writing this and I'm really confused. I'm like, that's because there's many ways up the mountain. You know, I always say that there are many ways up the mountain. And, and that thing that I wrote last week, I heard from people like, that was great. That was the best thing. And then others said, well, that didn't work for me. And I'm like, that's because we're not test tubes. I say that all the time. We're individuals. My brother's a chemist and he hates biochemistry he hates like because people don't work like what you put like you put sulfur and you put this and it always does the same thing in the beaker right it doesn't but it doesn't work like that with us so it, it is like i can give you all this information and you can talk and something that you say will go into someone's ears and be like i hadn't thought of it that way you know like and then hopefully next week i'll have a guest who would like something will go into theirs but that's the important part is like having these conversations right because it if we, what we do in life is also individual, that somebody else could sit here and be my exact age, they could have my same eye color, they could have my same build, and yet things will affect them differently. And also, when it comes to the mental component, what happens is that we all take things in so differently, like you say, that some people, it will drive them on, some people it repel them, some people, they won't even hear it. Right. So, People say, well, there are no new ideas. You know, everything's been been said before. Well, there are some new ideas. Nothing but, new under the sun, but, all that. But the major concepts that we have, love, you know, compassion, all these major concepts that we have, we just need to hear them again in new and fresh ways. And that's what we do. We present them in new and fresh ways in a way that makes you say, oh, I hadn't thought. Oh, take my sorrow outdoors. Wow, look at that. That is amazing what just happened to right. me. When I took myself outdoors, no matter how bad I'm feeling, you go outdoors, almost always you feel better. Totally, totally. And like we were talking about in the gym, like when I feel like life is heavy, like sometimes I go to the gym and I put all those weights on the bar and I pick them up and I'm like, I can do that. I can, I can take all that heavy stuff and I can pick it up. And right? I don't know, it does something to my brain. It makes me feel like I, I can keep going on. I once had a coach who said, as long as you're not going down, you're going up. And she was hmm. talking about the squat. And because I said, well, I stalled at the bottom of the squat before I came back up. And she said, yeah, but as long as you're not going down, you're going up. I was like, okay, fantastic. So yeah. So sometimes you do stall at the bottom of a squat, but you come back up. I, I think my, my 200 pound back squat was the slowest rise. In the I'd be on the floor. <laughs> I would just keep going down. <laughs> you could, you could see the spotters who were just like, is she stopped? Yeah, and then yeah. I just kept coming up because, you know, it's like I, a glacier going yeah, back. Up. I'm stubborn. I was like, this thing is not feeding me today. Right. And, and so many of our accomplishments in life are the result of us just saying, no, it's not feeding me. Not today. Tomorrow can beat me, but not today. And that's the beauty of sport. 
We get to test ourselves, right? Like how many people as adults really go and test themselves? And so when people eschew sports, when they, they're like, oh, well, I don't like sports. I'm like, then you haven't really played sports. Sports doesn't mean that you have to be a football player. It doesn't mean you have to even like football. It doesn't mean you have to do that. It means that you have to try and, and see what, how does it make you feel? I never would have tried triathlons if I hadn't been walking back from the bus stop one morning, put my kids on the bus. I'm walking back. I lived on Edwards Air Force Base in the Mojave Desert in the middle of nowhere. And I was walking back from the bus stop and I had a new neighbor who was walking next to me. We lived on a military base and I rode my mountain bike and my road bike all the time. I went to the gym all the time. And as we were walking, she said, what do you do? And I said, I don't do anything. We live out here in the middle of this base. You know, I mean, I, there's no, there are no jobs out here. And she said, because I was married to someone in the military and she said, no. And she pointed to my quads and she said, you do something. What do you do? That's so interesting. And I was like, oh, I ride my bike. And I started talking about that. And she said, do you do triathlons? And I said, no, I can't do those. And she said, well, why not? I said, I just die on the swim. And she said, I think you could do those. And she walked off. And that's all it took. And I was like, wait a minute. So then I started researching. And then I found a Dan Skin Women's Triathlon back in the day. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Back in the day. <laughs> I had the same story. Like, I had the same story. Like, I, I thought I wanted to, like, uh, some of my friends were doing it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do that. And this woman, again, she's like, with shoulders like that, you can swim. And, like, that's all it took. I'm like, okay, I guess I can. Right? <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just somebody so, telling you. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. That's all it takes. I went, I bought a book on swimming, and I watched yep. videos, and I taught myself, and just continued. I mean, I know how to swim, but I didn't know how to swim. You know, no, right. and continued on. Oh, and, I know. and I only, I honestly only did triathlons, like maybe six or seven of them until I was um, not terrified of dying in the swim anymore. So that was my big thing. I was, I was scared that I could die on the swim, but I realized that uh, if I put my, I called my, my, uh, my, my wetsuit, my wubby, like, you know, like your, your wubby, it was my wubby. That no it matter what happened, you alive. Exactly, that no matter how stressed out I was, that I could flip over in the water and float mm -hmm. and look at the mm -hmm. sky and take some deep breaths and think, okay, I'm okay, I'm alive. And then flip over and keep going. And that became such a metaphor for so many things in life. You can always just take a couple breaths and flip over and get back to it. And sometimes life is like, that first triathlon I did, the water was so muddy. It was in south, somewhere around LA. So muddy that I wore a fluorescent hair tie, a rubber band around my uh, wrist. So as I put my hands through the water, I could see my hands. It's crazy. Right? Insane. I, yeah. But I survived. And I couldn't see anything in the water. And then, and, and the other thing, there used to be at the Danskin Triathlon, there was this woman named Sally Edwards who would give this. Yes. Right? She was amazing. She was the heart rate person. She, she did the heart rate training. She gave yes. this amazing speech about what would happen the next day. And I always remember her saying, no matter how much you suck on the swim, you won't be the worst on the bike in the run too. It's really hard to be the worst at three things. Just like it's really hard. <laughs> to sounds like a very Sally Edwards thing. To right. Say. It's really hard to be the worst at three things. So she's like, <laughs> you're the worst at the swim. I'm going to catch you. And then you're going to be better at the bike. And I'm going to catch somebody in the bike. So I knew I could suck at that swim. But if I could survive, I knew I could pass a lot of people on the bike. 
And then I'd yeah. pass them on the bike. And then I knew they'd pass me on the run. And that'd be okay, too. And sometimes it was just fun to do that. When so, And just to say, when I ran that Tough Mudder with a group of people from uh, my CrossFit gym, 2011, we made t-shirts that said on the back, I'm beating you. And our design was not to, not to propel us because we were terrible runners and we knew it. <laughs> we were just going to have fun for the weekend and do this crazy thing that was brand new. And, and we thought it'll just be a blast. But we wanted to have people behind us get so mad they would pass us. And people wouldn't. They'd be like, I'm beating you now. We'd be like, yes, <laughs> yay, go, beat us. We didn't care. Right, you know? right. That's so funny. It's about That's motivating totally them. It's 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 yeah. a, a similar thing to I love a good workout that starts with power cleans because if it starts with three or five power cleans, I'm as fast as anybody, no matter what. I'm gonna any other woman, I'm gonna cycle super quick through three or five power cleans. And then if there's a run afterwards, I'm so happy because my goal in that first minute of the workout is to do those five power cleans faster than anybody and hit the door to the gym because I want every single person in that gym to think, oh my God, she's old and she's beating us all. <laughs> and then I know they're gonna beat me, but that doesn't matter because now they're motivated and I got that one tiny moment of victory and then I'm happy to be beat for the rest of the time. And they're, and they're motivated too, like I'm gonna meet her. I'm like, good, beat me, that's fantastic. That's awesome. It's a, it's a very, it's a very, I love that viewpoint. That's a, just have your moment. Like right? just take your. Because, yeah, and that's, there's, there's joy in that. That's a small moment yeah. of joy. And I think that, that I was listening to this uh, podcast the other day, um, Calm. I love the Calm app for meditation. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I think meditation is absolutely fantastic. And I think that the more we demystify meditation, the better as in, you don't need a special time. You don't need a special altar. You don't need a special candle. You don't need anything. I meditate every morning after I wake up right in bed. You know, sometimes I meditate on the couch with my dog. Like, So what does that look like? That's part of mental strength too. And I struggle with the whole meditation idea. Can you tell me what you're actually doing? You're tapping into yourself and you're breathing. It's so mm -hmm. elemental. I love an app to do it. And I, I like the Calm app because every day there's a 10 minute meditation and they lead you through relaxing, you know, we're, we're always tensed up, you know, and relaxing your jaw, your face, you know, your body. And then there's some silence and you're working on your breathing. And then there's a, a thought at the end to consider for the day. Mm -hmm. And it's just so, I think it's Marianne Williamson who said, we bathe every day. So why not bathe our minds every day? And that's what meditation allows you to do, to let go of some things in your mind that are, are troubling you. And you can do it by just really focusing on your breath and bringing forth whatever within you is kind of bugging you, kind of comes up and resolves itself in a way. It's kind of a weird magic that you have to tap into and yet not think too much about, in my opinion. But I just, I, I think it's it's fabulous. I was listening to this um, interview on the Calm app, because they have a lot of other things too on there. And this person said, this guy said, they were talking about happiness. And he said, what if happiness was not defined as pleasure, but happiness was defined 
as the joy we the joy you feel working towards your potential. So happiness is the joy you feel working towards your potential. And I was I stopped the the podcast right then. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Because so many people will say, well, how can you find joy in the in the gym or on the bike or you know in athletics? Well, how can I not? Because it's the joy that I feel as I'm working towards my potential. And my potential changes. My potential when I was 20 is different than my potential at 30, 40, 50. And it mm-hmm. changes every day. My best mm-hmm. changes every day. It changes from moment to moment. And that's just, you have to keep working with that. But that joy is amazing. Even after the pain, even through the pain, even during the pain, there's some element of I'm getting through this. And maybe that's what yeah. happiness really is. I 100% think that's what happiness really is. I, like, it's funny, all my race photos, I am smiling and everyone's like, you're not working hard enough. And I'm like, I am absolutely working hard enough. <laughs> but like, I find joy in that space. Like, I find absolute joy in that yeah. in that space. Because it's, it, like, we kind I'm of, choosing to be there. Right. And we, and we overwhelm ourselves with this thought of everything and what we have to do, who we have to be, where we have to be, how we have to place what our ranking is, when really, mm-hmm. if we can dial it to that one motion at a time. So one time I um, attended, a woman was doing a, a CrossFit athlete back in the day doing, I don't remember how many muscle ups in 24 hours or whatever she was doing. It was some event we were attending. And I asked her, I was like, how are you doing this many muscle ups? Because muscle ups are super hard. They're really hard. I can barely do any. Right? They're, they're so One, hard. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And she was doing so many of them. And every minute she was doing them with somebody else. It'd be another celebrity CrossFitter. And, you know, you did a muscle up with her. And it was so muscle up. I just because we're just, it's when you pull yourself. It's like a pull up and you have to pull yourself all the way up. Right. So your waist is at the bar. Exactly. Just so people hear you. That's exactly what it is. What you're talking about. And, okay. it's, and it's harder to do it on rings than on a bar. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. And she was doing, she was it, on doing it on rings. Yeah. And it was just crazy. Okay. And I said to her, how are you doing so many of these muscles? And she said, I'm always just doing one. Oh. <laughs> and that's it, right? You're always Man, we just could all doing use that. one. Mm-hmm. And we always like race the mile you're in when you're running. Yeah. Like, don't look at your only mile one and you've got 26 to go or whatever. Exactly. Like, and if and, yeah. and never count up the reps in a workout, like never. People do that, you know. No, you know, why don't you just go rub some dirt in your eye? You know, you're going to accomplish <laughs> the same kind of you know a, a benefit to your workout. Don't count them up. You're always just doing one, and then go to the next one. So we make things so much harder than they have to be. Simple is is difficult. Simple can be so elegant, but it's difficult. And I, I think that we sometimes have to learn to slow down, to smooth things out, and then to speed up when we need to. And that's hard. That's hard. And it, it's hard anytime. I think it's extra hard in menopause because we have so many things going on at the same time. And yet we carry on and we make it through. But I think we the more we talk about all of this, the more we spread this word, the easier it gets for somebody out there. You never know who's listening. You never know who all of a sudden has some moment that they, they're like, oh, I can go on. 
So when I was a kid, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan my entire life. Like he is the, the deal for me, just a brilliant songwriter, brilliant man. And when I was a kid and the first time that I ever saw him in concert, and I was amazed that everybody knew every breath he would take in the song. Everybody knew every word, every vocalization, everything. I knew them and everybody else did. And I was like, how does this man know what I'm thinking? How does, you know, how, how does he know that? And I thought if I could ever do that. And then with writing in some small way, I found that I could help other people and they could go, oh, that helped me go on. That helped me continue. You know, my, my, I remember way back early when I started writing in the CrossFit years and a woman wrote to me and she said, my, my, my father died and I didn't know how I could go on. And then I read, and I wasn't going to the gym and my friends were saying, come to the gym, it'll be better. And I didn't believe it. And then I read something you wrote about getting to the gym and I went to the gym and you're right. Life got better. She's like, and I'll keep going. Thank you so much. So people write to me regularly about things that I may have written years ago. And I'm always kind of humbled by that. And I'm awestruck that people would take their time to write in and tell you about these things. You must get this too. It's just, I do. It's very, it's very moving. It's very moving. And um, it's, and I always figure like for that one person, like who, who, who haven't you heard from, but is going through the same thing. Like I very much believe in the power of one. I very much believe that, the whole it's a wonderful life thing like we each affect so many people and that's what we're here for like in my mind that's the purpose because i don't know what the uh, the grand purpose is like we're all hurtling towards something but if i can like lift while i climb and go all the way to the end then they then people that i have helped and I have been helped by like, we're all going further and we're all going further better because, because of each other. Right. Cause and, we're all connected, yeah. whether we want yeah. to really understand that or believe that or not, we all are. And I think it all comes back to, there's a, a book I read long ago. I think it was called the secret life of bees by Sue Monk kid. I've read it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So remember that the house gets painted like a yellow maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's like, why would you paint that house that color? And she says, the color of a house, what does that matter? But lifting someone's spirits, that really matters. And that's really mm-hmm. it. If you can lift cool. someone's that's spirits cool. and help them go on when they thought that they couldn't go on, wow, that's that's worth all more than anything in the world. Sure is. So so bef- before we before we go, I, I want to circle back because we've we've talked a lot about all these benefits of strength training and this stuff and moving and muscles. And I know that there are a lot of people listening being like, you're torturing me. I don't have a gym. <laughs> I have one set of dumbbells and now like I need help. So let's help them. Let's help them a little bit because you talked about street parking and I have heard from so many people who are like, I only have this pair of 15 pound dumbbells and I, I don't feel like I can do anything. So Give us a little nuts and bolts. Like what okay. What can they do? Yeah. And what's that about? The good news is you have a, a set of dumbbells. That's the good right. news. You're on the way. You can do so much. So before COVID hit, uh, at the end of February, I had one pair of uh, 20-pound dumbbells that I had just bought because I, I belonged to a, a gym, a strength training gym. And when I realized that that COVID was, was on the way towards us, uh, I ordered another pair of dumbbells, 15 pounds, and I ordered a jump box. And then a week later, I ordered a bench. I didn't really need the bench, but I still use it. And I, I, I bought it, but I didn't need that to get started. 
And between that and a jump rope, if you have a jump rope, then you're golden. But if you can just run outside, you don't even, or if you just, some people use a pair of dumbbells and their living room coffee table. You can step on your couch, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. you can make it happen anywhere. You don't need a bench. You can do floor presses. So what street parking is, is I like to think that it's the purest form of CrossFit. Mm -hmm. It's without the baggage, right? So it's basically centered on dumbbells. You can use a barbell in it. You can use a sandbag in it, but it's daily workouts that will not take you with warm up more than 45 minutes. If it takes you an hour, then maybe you're just lingering a little too long. <laughs> right. But they're short workouts. They're usually uh, uh, couplets or triplets or, you know, they're, they're sometimes they're not, they're different, but you'll get like yesterday. This is what I did for my workout yesterday. It was a 12 minute AMRAP. So as many rounds as possible. And I did five push-ups with shoulder taps. So you're doing a push-up, double shoulder tap, another push-up. And then I did uh, 10 step-ups. Okay. And then I did 15 kettlebell swings. Okay. Okay. So this is- For 12 minutes, as many reps, as many exactly. rounds as possible. Yeah. So, oh, actually, I'm sorry. It was 12, it was 15 deadlifts with uh, uh, the kettlebell. Sorry, not swings. Okay. So you could go as fast as you want on this. You can make it a long scorcher. You can slow down. You can, you know, handle that however you need to. And this is just a form of what they call their shift programming. So shift mm -hmm. programming in street parking is not the main hardcore workout. This was a workout designed for people coming back from injury, new, new people to the program. Um, they also have a modification for pregnant women so that they can do mama modifications. So that was one of the one of the differently designed workouts. So they're even more aggressive workouts. But the key to it all is that you can substitute, you can scale, you can make things happen as you need to. It's all designed to work for your life. And that if you wanna enter your scores, you can. And you can be part of the community on Facebook and Instagram and do all of that. I've never entered my, my scores, I'm just not interested. I enter them in my own work. I, I use my own, um, I have it right here, my own workout journal. I use my right. own workout journal. I like paper. I like to write down. I like to, to do all of it that way. But you can have the community, you can have the competition if you want or not, but you can go into your garage and with minimal equipment, you can go into your living room, wherever you are, your basement, with minimal equipment, you can get a decent workout. And it's all there. And it's ridiculously low. The cost, I, I want to say it's $15 a month or $20 a month. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna break you. And it's run by, I, I'm gonna give a lot of credit to Miranda Alcaraz, who founded Street Parking with her husband. And I knew Miranda from the CrossFit days. We used to work together. CrossFit headquarters in the early days. And she took what we did in CrossFit and she added that community element where everybody's included, not people are excluded because they're not, you know, going to the CrossFit games or they're not competing. There's no exclusion. It's all about inclusion. And she's a mom with two little kids. She used to be a games athlete 
And yet she guides this whole thing in really just an inspiring way. Her Instagram, I would recommend people follow her Instagram because it is just fantastic how she has learned to, to manage her life in this time mm -hmm. uh, with little kids and sleep deprivation and breastfeeding, whatever else you got going on, <laughs> right? Like all the crazy things yeah. we do. Yeah. So I would say that that there's so much that you can do with street parking that I, I'm a huge proponent of it right now. It's just elemental, basic, wonderful, doesn't take up your whole day. And yet you can feel get stronger and feel fantastic. And it's really centered on dumbbells and being smart about what you do with your time and, and how you use your body. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I think that kind of thing, like I said, is so useful right now, just because so many people are without gyms, you know, they have, they don't have, you know, and especially in this time, I mean, I've heard from people pre COVID that they struggled with that, but right now that number is exponential. Right. It's hard. <laughs> and I thought I was, I was going to die at first without the barbell because I love the barbell and I thought I was going to die at, at first. And then I just kept using the dumbbells more and more and more. And then I eventually was able to order a, a, a barbell from Rogue and, you know, and, and get some bumpers. But I don't use it as much now as the dumbbells because I've just found this basic elemental joy again in the dumbbells. Well, and that's, and to your point, there's other, there's many ways to sort of like get that workout. Like if you can't, if you don't have those heavy weights, then like you were saying, you can move faster through that, that AMRAP and, and get this, you know, some metabolic charge from that. It's, there's yeah. many ways up to that. And, and a <laughs> wonderful opportunity to mentally push yourself because you'll right. look at things and think, I can't get through that. And then you find yourself in each moment. Okay. I can get through this. Okay. I'm going to get through this. And that's like all of life, right? You know, yep. people, people die. My mother passed and I thought I can't get through this, but in each moment you get through that. And, you know, and, and I'll say this one thing that, that uh, my mother was, had an amazing, she passed away three years ago. She had an amazing mindset. And I think this is so key to so, so much of what we do in life. And I think I, I inherited some of it from her because it's that kind of viewpoint that you could say to my mother, oh, I was so poor, I had to eat dirt. She'd be like, dirt, wow, dirt has nutrients in it. That's amazing. You were able to eat dirt. Wait till I tell my friends that you ate dirt. And you'd walk away feeling like a million dollars. And you're like, how does she do that? But again, it was just flipping that viewpoint. And that's what we kind of do in the workout. We flip that viewpoint. And eventually, we, we work towards this place for ourselves that feels good. And I was thinking about this the other day in the terms of, you know, I created this body, not for somebody else to look at, but so that I could feel better within myself. And that's what we're trying to do, feel better within ourselves, being able to cope with the world. And sometimes what it really takes is a pair of dumbbells in the garage and the world seems a lot brighter all of a sudden. It seems a lot better. Well, that's our show. Join me next week for my conversation with Gail Bernhardt longtime Olympic cycling and triathlon coach and author of Become a Fat-Burning Machine. I am a huge fan of her training philosophies and think everyone could benefit from doing what she calls her quote-unquote miracle intervals. So tune in next week for more on that. And until then, stay feisty.
listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.